when it's a hot day and my throat's feeling dry, I'll have a really good cold can of Jojo Cola or grape soda. Codename T-Man, and uh, in our second podcast installment, we're going to give a rundown of uh, Paul and my top five G.I. Joe or Cobra accessories. Seeing as it was his choice, he gets to go first. Well, interestingly enough, this wasn't my choice. It was suggested to me this morning by a friend of mine who wasn't really a G.I. Joe collector, but certainly a G.I. Joe appreciator, owing to the fact that he spent a lot of time tooling around my collection and had a personal affinity for Law, who he renamed MP Man. <laughs> so this one's going out to you, Al. Thanks for the idea. I'm going to start by mentioning the Battle Android Trooper Backpack. Now, this is a bit of a cheat because in mentioning the backpack, I'm also, of course, mentioning the three attachments that fit into the backpack and are able to exchange for the Battle Android Trooper's hand. They were a claw, a flamethrower, and something that I suppose you could best describe as a laser. Yeah, that funny drill bit thing with the... The point has no. got like a cable that goes into it. I don't know. It's 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 got a flat face. They detailed it a bit better in the 25th anniversary by giving it a point. Yeah. But um, back then it just sort of I don't know. It was either a laser or a, a missile launcher or something. But yeah, the bottom line was very cool figure or very cool uh, set of accessories. And one sadness that 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 one must mention with the 25th anniversary is that it can only hold um, two of the attachments as opposed to the original three. But, yeah, the concept and execution, even back in 1986, was perfection. I always thought that connection, that, that sort of one that tapered to a point, was a drill. That that was just me at that age. I always thought that, you know, the Battle Android Troopers could have all of these features, because I had, like, the flamethrower and the funny buzzsaw claw attachment, and I thought maybe their idea was to rip open doors and stuff, but... You know, that's the cool thing about G.I. Joe. It could really have gone any way. Yeah, I have to agree with Steve, though. I think uh, having three attachments on the back of the 25th would have been really cool. Yeah, but they beefed them up to the point where there's really not enough space. So I, I can appreciate that. Now it's a case of the bat has to wear one of the attachments and store the other two. Oh, it's a great accessory. It really is a fun little bit of interaction. I mean, you can actually take the components out of the backpack and plug them onto the arm. They did something similar with the Techno Viper, but of course the Techno Viper isn't a robot, and there's no actual replacement part on the figure uh, for his tools. But with the Battle Android Trooper, it was a great, very sinister way of, of announcing that, yes, this is a robot. This is not a standard Cobra Trooper at all. And with that, uh, I think we'll segue into your number five in the top five accessories ever. Well, one of my favorites in the top five accessories ever is the Range Viper from 1990. I always thought he was really, really badass. Uh, he is one of the coolest figures and still remains to be one of my favorite Vipers, actually. Hang on, Paul. Are we talking about the figure or the accessories? No, oh, well, we're going to get into it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, aside from the, the really awesome figure that I'm sure you guys are going to appreciate now, I hope, I really loved everything that came with him. He had a really awesome backpack. It was this massive backpack and it had a cable that attached, what is it? It was to... To his head? It was to his head, which could have been anything from a, some kind of system that feeds him oxygen or water. You know, I always thought it was just something really cool at the time. I was like, yay, it had a, a connection, which was part of the sort of childhood, uh, childish 
approach to it. But my favorite accessory on that figure has to be the grenade launcher. The fact that you could remove its ammo drum, is actually, I think, is the correct term. Sure. I thought that was really great. And it had that small little bazooka that could fold out. That was amazing. And, yeah, he's a signature machine gun, which uh, is still, I think, in... in G.I. Joe is still one of the best uh, machine guns that you get. The one that comes with the Range Viper. Which machine gun is that? It's this big, um, it looks similar to the MP90. Oh, right. I think it's the MP90, yeah, but it was, like, I'm trolling through the book now to show good old Steve. But yeah, it was just, um, it was a figure I never, I sadly never owned. I always had to play with my friend's one, but yeah, it was cool. Hey, and wait, we're talking about an invisible machine gun. I'm getting confused with 25th now. <laughs> Sorry, so we used to give him, we had to get him, give him machine guns. That was right. But yeah, no, seriously, the, the main reason I liked it was that grenade launcher. And that was, that was the one thing that stood out for me. It's uh, nice that the, um, the grenades inside the ammo drum are of a similar size to the molded grenades on the backpack. Yes. So he's got quite a stash of ordnance on his person. Interesting, that pipe that connects to his pack connects to a kind of a tank, which to my mind suggests water. What do you think, Paul? Water would make sense because I think in in the time that it came out, modern militaries didn't have things like camel packs like they do today. And camel packs, as, as a lot of you know, if you're cyclists or if you are military enthusiasts, which we're assuming you may be because you collect G.I. Joe, you're used to how they look. I mean, they these really cool bags that go into, you know, the backpacks or into pouch packs. And the thing is, that's a concept that for some reason just didn't really appear in modern military in late 80s, early 90s. It's only something that we started seeing commercially middle 90s, early 2000s. So, so replacing a canteen with yeah, traditional water. Yeah, which is what we were used to seeing as the water storage compartment. And yeah, I would actually go with water, definitely. It fits in with the Range Vipers approach. They're low-tech troopers. They're wilderness troopers who are responsible for scrounging up a lot of their own supplies. So it might have a filtration device in there somewhere. That isn't too high-tech for a Range Viper. And certainly, you know, if you're trawling through uh, the wilderness, finding a clean, drinkable Potable water, water source. source is quite like paramount. Yeah, it's mm. paramount to your survival. And also, whereas most soldiers or most military men, infantry men in basic are taught how to fall to their own water, it only makes sense that Cobra would have a high-tech solution for that for one of their guys. What do you think else is in that pack? I mean, it's a hard cassette case. Backpack. Definitely radio equipment somewhere. Some kind of transmitting equipment, I imagine, because in the file cards they do talk about how the Range Vipers just sort of dropped in a jungle and made to fend for himself. I'd imagine he would have some kind of radio equipment that either allows him to be communicated with or allows him to communicate to a Cobra headquarters maybe a pterodrome or something nearby if there is one but definitely something that can receive a radio signal so that he can be tapped and put into active duty sure. um, that standard with all range vipers? I would imagine think? so no I'd imagine it's standard with all of them because they don't talk about them working in groups they're solo operators that's really? yeah that's that's my understanding that they just sort of get dropped into the wilderness plus I know in the comic book you often see them together for me they're just survivalists then they also have this like weird section at the bottom which in itself is also pretty cool it, it looks like a GP like some kind of portable G GPS. It's really big, obviously, because of the time that it was made in. It seems to have a screen or, yeah, a, like or a little num- number yeah. pad or something. Or something. And something sectionalized. Looks like a, a little keypad or, or a readout of some kind. And also one thing that has confused me about this figure, and it, it has always puzzled me, there's a slot that's in the middle of the backpack. It's just above that compartmentalized section. It looks like it would have been used to run an ammo belt through, but there's no evidence in the figure of it. There's not even a weapon to accommodate it, which is... Why maybe the twenty fifth one comes with the bigger gun uh, with the with the machine gun and the ammo belt, but oh, but a sadness with the twenty fifth is that they didn't reproduce the, the backpack, backpack faithfully. I mean, the pack's great. Look, this division that runs 
that separates the large portion at the top from the slightly smaller portion at the bottom. I mean, if if we can assume that the bottom portion is some kind of tech, some kind of GPS or navigation equipment or location equipment, the top portion is just basically storage space, I guess. I mean, it's a rigid case, so maybe explosives or something very uh, volatile. The cool thing is, this is a figure that has great accessories, and that's why he's my number five. I mean, he's just up there. He's got cool stuff, and for us to get into this kind of discussion about it just proves, you know, that he should be on the top five list. Definitely. I mean, here, here. Cool. And on to your number four, Steve. My number four is the Alley Vipers Shield. Yeah. (laughs) This is an interesting backstory for me because I never owned the Alley Viper, but for some reason I acquired the shield. A friend of mine must have lost his figure and just gave me the remaining accessories. Sadly, I missed out on the gun, which is a fantastic piece. Yeah. And backpack, which is also beautifully molded piece um, which was improved upon in the 25th anniversary when they, they managed to get that uh, grappling grapple hook. gun loose <laughs> which is so cool yeah just a bit too loose if you're talking about the first the release first, yeah the, the defensive cobra island release yeah mm. anyway I'm getting off the topic the reason I love that shield so much apart from the fact that by being a shield, it's pretty unique in the um, range of G.I. Joe accessories or Cobra accessories. It was because I had that accessory kind of married to a, a custom of mine, and I gave it the same custom paint job. I never had any Crimson Guardsmen, and I loved the red and black motif. So I took a Cobra Mega Viper... <laughs> horrible figure that it was, and painted over the purple, pink, and yellow color scheme with a black, red, and silver in certain points for the faceplate, for instance. And I echoed that same motif on the shield and made a very cool nod to the Crimson Guardsman, though... That's actually very cool. Yeah, that figure enjoyed a brief life as a... As a um, lead Crimson Guardsman. <laughs> well, actually, I, I kind of branched out of the G.I. Joe play pattern and, and used him as a kind of a science fiction-y character where the shield became like a hoverboard very Marty McFly, very uh. Uh, Back to the Future, but he could kind of stick it on his feet and, and fly. I mean, the actual accessory doesn't have a foot peg, but nothing that a bit of press stick or imagination couldn't fix. Or blue tack for our American listeners. Oh, <laughs> blue tack. Blue tack. If you say so. Well, I believe so. I mean, you know, I hear stories. Cool, so that's my number four uh, top five G.I. Joe Cobra accessories. My number four has got to be Norga Hyde from 1990. Now, this is a figure I never owned. Also, a figure that a friend of mine owned. And I was never, ever allowed to take this figure home. Just one of those toys that, because of all the cool accessories, there was always a fear of me losing them, being a lot like, younger than my friend was. The thing that makes it my number four is I love the machete that connects to his arm. It's a silly thing, but I thought it was great. It just clipped onto his arm, so he had a machete that he could, like, bushwhack worth. He had a point in his leg, I think it is, that you can put the other knife in. And he had a badass rifle. Plus that warthog. The warthog himself is so cool. And living in South Africa, I think the figure came across as being quite South African for me. Um, so I kind of... What was it? The leopard print? It the was the way. leopard print. It was the, the whole, like the whole motif. It's just, it's such a dodge figure in some ways that Ah, oh, he's just really cool. And to think of him as a, a dreadnought is a bit odd for me, to be fair. But yeah, I mean, removable hat, the warthog was great, the sniper rifle is, and still today in my mind is one of the best rifles to come out. Never mind, like, other cool accessories like the bow, the bow and arrow. And if memory serves, the string on the bow wasn't too 
Like it wasn't, it was easy to break, but it kind of had a bit of a bend to it, so you could pretend you were shooting arrows. The only downside to it is, although he had such an amazing quiver, you couldn't really take any of the arrows up, and that was a bit of a, a sad point on this figure. But yeah, other than that, I think he was cool. And yeah, it was that clip-on machete that I think made it for me, and the sniper rifle, definitely. Well, exactly how practical is it to strap a machete to your wrist? I suppose it frees up your hands, but it better be on there pretty tight. Uh, yeah, otherwise it's going to be a rather clumsy thing. And clumsy in any... Like, battlefield situation. No, yeah, to have to unwrap this damn thing from your wrist. I'd imagine peeing is quite difficult with that. <laughs> um, I just want to put that out there, because I don't know if you're thinking it, but yeah, that is something kind of dangerous. Uh, and this is the, the joy of it as well, I suppose... It came at the right time. I was the right age to appreciate it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is something that we look at it now and it's pretty impractical. It's probably why Hasbro didn't include it in the seven pack as a as an optional extra or as an extra within. Um, something tells me though, Paul, that um, the seven cuts. pack is not going to be renowned for its uh, accessories. Yeah, I know. It's going to be the, the signature weapons perhaps and not very much else. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I haven't seen any rifles on the seven pack for the Norga Hide. Or at least I haven't seen the same rifle. That kind of made me a little sad because it is a really unique rifle. Obviously, his bow and arrow are missing. And that's kind of sad for me as well because that is a very, you know, sort of poignant part of why I like the figure. Don't we stand to be corrected. So Hasbro, if you're listening... Please surprise us. (laughs) And yeah, with enough about Norgahide, what is your number three, Steve? Oh, okay. This, had I owned it as a child, would have been my favorite weapon because I love swords. (laughs) I love equipping characters with swords. I never had the version 2 Snake Eyes. I had the third version Snake Eyes with the sword that had uh, those holes Mm. in it. Very cool sword. As a result of that, that sword saw a lot of action. Any protagonist of mine was into sword play and was equipped with that sword. Flash forward a few years and I'm currently the owner of a version 2 1985 Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah. Classic figure. You have to have it. <laughs> I had one actually for... Uh, yeah. Wow. Good I don't, job. Yeah, it was a great figure. Anyway, that sword is... While it's Snake Eyes' signature weapon with those curves, with the detailing on the handle, it's just beautiful. And while while they've done great swords since, I don't think anything's really surpassed it. The only point I'll interject on there is I own Snake Eyes' swords <laughs> and the, the, the one-to-one scale. And I really do love the new sword, the the one with the falcon on the handle. I can't even think of the proper term now, but I love that sword. And that does also come as a great second place to the original, to that version 2 Snake Eyes. I mean, that sword, I had that figure. I love that sword. The reason he's not on my list is because that, that blow dart is just something I never understood. So it was actually the sword that carried me through and Steve loves it and he loves it a lot, clearly. But hang on, <laughs> we're, uh, we're jumping snake eyes this year. I'm talking about the second version. With the holes in the sword? No, that's the third, man. Oh, is that the third? Yeah. Oh my word, that's my bad. You see, for me, so, he was the second one, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course. Look, uh, I mean, I think I, I know what you're getting at. You you own the one-to-one replica of that 1985 that, that version. That they sort of redid with the Falcon yeah, handle and the squared Suba and, yeah, it's just... It's Which are design elements that I don't agree with because they weren't <laughs> on the original sword. But, you know, they can embellish and it's probably fueled by comic book appearances of that sword. Yeah, there's some um, definite lore in there, yeah. But, I mean, the original, it's it's so dainty and so delicate. I mean, it's, as a sword, it's just lethal, man. It is it is a very sharp little accessory. Also, Other swords seem a lot blunter by comparison. This thing, a child could have taken their eye out. Seriously. Yeah, that's true, actually. And another, just a thing, just a point to mention about that 
saw that I find quite fascinating personally is although Snake Eyes has got very Japanese origins in terms of his training, that sword is very unlike a katana. It's very much more like a falcoin, which is more of a, an Arabian weapon. Oh, I was about to say, man. It yeah. seem a bit more Middle Eastern. Yeah, and, and that's kind of cool because Snake Eyes does have that to him. He's got sure. n- n- not so much Middle Eastern thing, but a very strong esoteric vibe, even in some ways more than Storm Shadow does. Because Storm Shadow is very traditional Japanese, you know, with his wakazashi and katana that the original came with. And that Snake Eyes sword is definitely one that stands as one of the coolest swords, actually, in the G.I. Joe. Yeah, and so very signature Snake Eyes. Right on! Your number three, Paul. Oh, my number three. My number three has got to be heavy, uh, not heavy duty. It was going to be heavy duty. But then um, I thought about it, and as much as I dug heavy duty's really awesome heavy green machine gun... With the cool red laser visor that goes over his face. And this extra cool neon green and missiles. Yeah, and that's face. actually what took it off my list. It's a, it's a launcher, and I hate launching weapons. I can't stand them. So, it's rock and roll from 90, 1990? Rock and roll? 89, I think. 89 rock and roll, yeah. That is a cool set of weapons. Uh, <sighs> it was, you could disassemble it. It looks great on him. It works well. It... It never really fell apart when I was jamming with it as a kid. And I love the fact that you could take it apart and put it together. They weren't big single molded pieces and that that just blew my mind. And them being Gatling guns, they kind of, in my uh, in the mind of my well, childish self, they made a lot of sense. I, I think heavy, heavy duty's guns, if they had some kind of backstop, would make more sense to deal with the recoil. But rock and roll just made that work. And as mentioned in a previous episode, that is something I'd love them to do, uh, do a re-release of. And if they could get that figure pitch perfect, it would be an absolute dream. And just for those accessories. I, they're fantastic. I mean, his backpack, the ammo feed, he, it's great. And it all works together. Plus, he's got that. And I, when I was a kid, I thought it was a shotgun because of the ring. But it is a rifle and it connects to his leg. And that was really, really cool because very few figures did that. And you're probably going to find that one of my favorite things on the original Classic Joes is when a weapon can somehow attach to them. I always thought that was cool because that's realistic. And as a kid, for me, that, that was important. Though, I mean, with the original line... It was always a bit of a compromise because they couldn't attach them realistically. Mm. You know, there had to be a sort of a peg and post or hole and post kind of connection. Case of rock and roll or night viper or with Norga hide, it had to have a little clip on the base. It didn't sort of sheath on his wrist. Still nice that they they, they did that and something that we can now improve upon with uh, modern toy manufacturing techniques. Definitely, and and just getting into modern toy manufacturing techniques, just to quickly jump back to Snake Eyes. The Uzi that the third Snake Eyes came with uh, is, and it was going to be a mention, and I was thinking about it, but uh, it's just that, like I mentioned earlier, the blow dart gun never really made uh, sense to me, so I didn't get much joy out of it as a kid. It was just cool that it slotted into the backpack. But the Uzi was always unusual that it had that hook and it never actually connected to anything. And with the modern, with the 25th release of Snake Eyes, he's got the two butterfly knives that attached and detached from his chest, as well as having a hook for that Uzi, which when I opened that packaging uh, of the new 21st Snake Eyes or of the version 3 Snake Eyes, it blew my mind. It was just something that was just really special. And that's when Hasbro does it right in my eyes. Nice. Though, of course, I mean, did you ever try hooking that version 3 Snake Eyes' gun to his three-section nunchuck? (laughs) I never did, actually. I never actually thought... Though why he would ever want to swing his gun around, we will never know. But I did connect it to the sword, and enough on that. Let's um, go into something (laughs) cool that you're going to (laughs) say. 
<laughs> well, uh, we're now into the top two category. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the little bit of, of lead up to my, my number two pick. I always found in the Joe line, pistols were quite premium. There weren't a great deal of small, small arms, handguns, sidearms. Typically, I suppose, because figures just couldn't holster them. That technology was, was a ways off. So a figure had to have a certain level of status, I think. To warrant having a sidearm, which is why you have Admiral Keel Hall with a pistol or Hawk with a, a pistol. But none of these pistols came close to the level of detail and, and, and just aesthetic beauty as Destro's. Talking about version one Destro, 1983, he had a, a beautiful pistol. gun. Yeah, yeah, and they... <sighs> They didn't quite nail it in the 25th. It's really very... It's quite delicate, really. It has a scope on top, very slender barrel. It's an elegant gun, manufactured decades ago. Mm. Which just it's 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 a it's a credit to the team that, that worked on the toy line back then. Uh, it really is an accessory that stood the test of time, and and I don't think it's been surpassed yet, to be honest. It hasn't been. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did they reuse that for the hawk for the the sound hawk, the hawk with the sound and action backpack? To my mind, and I stand to be corrected, they did not reuse that accessory at all. Because it's Destro's gun, and it will always be as be, such. Because that is a badass gun. That is on badass Python that they give. Well, not Python. Yeah, it is Python. But they give that hawk. Um, that's a really cool revolver. Well, actually. on this point, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I think it's horribly oversized. It is horribly oversized, but it's well made. <laughs> on that note, an accessory that needs an honorable mention uh, in the realm of handguns has got to be Windmill's Elephant Gun Pistol. Oh, God, that. Yeah. Alan Rob, this one goes out to you guys as, as well. I mean, that gun is just freakishly large. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a real gun out there that, that mimics its proportions. But seriously, this gun was a revolver, but easily as long as a figure's forearm. In fact, all the way up to their bicep. And it's a revolver. Wow. <laughs> Over to you, Paul. Number two. Number two. Also gonna do a bit of a build up because, you know, we, we in that zone. He has probably got some of the coolest accessories, and that's why he's my number two. I, I think a lot of Kids, when they got this, didn't really understand how they worked. I know for myself, it took me quite a while to to really get how it worked. And it was probably one of the times where I wish Hasbro would uh, do something with the manuals. Because often when I opened the card packets, I used to tear the inside instruction manual and had to figure it all out myself. The figure I'm talking about is somebody who can apparently get himself quite invisible on Wrigley's Field, if I'm not mistaken. And it's Ambush. Ambush's gear is by far some of the coolest gear in, in the Joe line. He came with cloth accessories. Now, capes being real cloth are always a winner. And Ambush's ghillie suit, yeah, he's, he's sort of mesh that he came with. It's just so cool. I mean, you could put, it was like, a, it was shaped like a poncho, so you could wrap that around his shoulders. You could uh, hide him in his garden, in your garden. You came with, uh, it came with these tent pegs. You could make like a little hide for him and he came with a really really cool rifle so everything just fitted it was like here's a guy that could hide himself and shoot really long distances is that a laser gun that he comes with yeah he also comes with like it's a weird accessory it's like a laser gun type thing yeah it's it does stand out from the rest of his stuff especially for a figurine that himself looks very almost world war ii in his styling it's the howling commandos isn't it yeah it's it's nick fury and uh, i don't oh, know and what's Sergeant savage dum dum dugan <laughs> <laughs> big time and he's so cool and and in a, in a lot of ways, Ambush kind of makes her a good complement to Norgahide. 
And and that I can imagine them going up against each other in some point or another. What's it come down to? Their, um, their stashes. Beard, <laughs> beard manicuring. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they both seem to have that British beard look going for them. Turn of the century. Turn of the century, <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, you could put the tent poles and wrap the camouflage meshing on the actual backpack and keep it together and you could put the rifle on the on the backpack well I managed to somehow slot the rifle in there and it worked and that was really cool you could have a Joe that could run around and he could have his hands free while he had all of his gear on his back and that makes him really really cool did you also try and uh, sandwich the rifle in the little gap between the backpack and yes, the yeah. body of the figure yeah, I, think I, I, I think we all tried that I think I broke a peg to get it to work <laughs> but I'm sure actually if I had my hands on a vintage ambush now I'd probably get it right but he is a cool figure and more more than that, his accessories really do make him. And this is also what's important about this um, discussion is a lot of the times the accessories kind of make the Joe cooler, except for rock and roll, because rock and roll is just badass. I actually wanted to say something about rock and roll, though I don't have his file card in front of me. I'm going to try and recall that his backpack is factory fed with a thousand rounds of ammunition. Wow. And that his... His miniguns fire at a rate of fire of about 2,000 rounds per minute, something like that. Wow. And that's so, why it's called rock and roll. Okay, he's got, he's got 30 seconds of rock and roll in those guns. And for those but of if you, he's yeah. using two at the same time, that surely bumps it down to about 15 seconds or less. Probably about 10 seconds of full automatic fire. So, yeah. Itchy trigger finger, don't play jokes on rock and roll. Yeah, will be paced. <laughs> be it's all just, kinds I mean, of those, those mini guns are a bit absurd for my liking now. Back then... They could do no harm. But to have rock and roll standing with that backpack, the two ammo feeds, and these two miniguns, which both have two sets of barrels. Yeah, so there true. are four miniguns. <laughs> so we've got about five seconds. Five seconds <laughs> of, of firepower. Okay. Well, yeah, well... I suppose if you want to dispatch an enemy pretty quickly, or enemy hardware pretty quickly, you just put rock and roll up. Yeah, I mean, his name just says it all. I mean, rock and roll. <laughs> with that kind of argument. I don't know, I, I think if I... Well, apparently he was a bass player. Yeah, for a surf band. Surf rock <laughs> outfit. <laughs> the good old rock and roll with his obscene weapon. Slap in the bass, baby. Slap <laughs> in the, the bass. Alright, drum roll, please. <laughs> Thanks, Paulie. Um, why not? <laughs> my number one G.I. Joe accessory of all time is an accessory that, uh, once again, has the illustrious backstory of not having a figure attached to it. I once owned a hit-and-run figure. Oh. Hit-and-run, of course, being the most camouflaged-looking G.I. Joe, I think, ever. Nunchuck stole the crown eventually, but that dark green and black color scheme made him notoriously easy to lose. Which I did. He <laughs> must be in someone's garden somewhere in this big wide world my original hit and run yeah. but I did manage to keep his backpack no I can't call it that it doesn't have a backpack it's a duffel bag yes it's a bag that had some pretty lengthy instructions on the inside of his blister pack on how to use it it basically had a spool inside that you could wind a piece of rope around and that rope would um, trail out of one of the ends of the pack and connect up to a grapple hook which fits in so nicely with the fact that he's a mountaineer. Apart from being an excellent infantryman, very light on his feet, he has the military specialty of mountaineering. And this pack was just fantastic. You could essentially store about a meter mm. of cord inside it, which makes him able to repel huge, well, action figure size, huge um, gaps faces, yeah. and faces. Yeah. And an honorable mention there as well as the Rock Viper, who had a similar of mechanism. Course. Yeah, actually, Rock Viper, you can mention him in the same breath, really. And that was just very cool. It was 
level of interactivity that is very simple on the face of it, but is so damn clever. And even if you wanted to kind of get a little bit more far out with your action figures, you don't necessarily have to use it in the repelling sense. You could use it as a zip line. I mean, who didn't attach a string from one end to, of a room to another Smash. and then <laughs> clasp your action figure's arms around the damn thing and have them slide down? A feature that was made more obvious to me once I got a Peter Pan figure based on the Peter Pan animated series and the Peter Pan himself had a flying action and that was connected in his back. It's actually a very smart mechanism because you couldn't tell it was there. It had a nail grip, so you pull it out. It had like the strings that you could feed on opposite sides and you could switch them between your hands and get that flying action, which keyed me onto how the Rock Viper should work. <laughs> and then I used to do those, those zipline transitions with the Rock Viper because I never had a hit and run. And yeah, so that's just one of those really cool designs that I'm, I think Hasbro sort of pioneered. Actually, I think they got that right first, sure. if I'm not mistaken. And if I am mistaken, please... You know, you can drop us a mail and go, you're wrong! <laughs> What's very cool is, like, in the late 80s, G.I. Joe still was the toy that didn't have an action feature. You didn't squeeze the legs and the arms pop up. You didn't have uh, spring-loaded weapons. So for something like that to be included with your figure, it just kind of added value in a way that didn't take away from the toy. It didn't suddenly become with punching action or with fly kick action or... Weapons really shoot. It was still a believable, well-scaled, accurate piece of hardware that had a feature. A realistic, well-scaled feature. The backpack itself had some great details. It didn't have to. It was already a winner in my eyes. But it had a little ring of snap links. Fits in with right, yeah. runs of climber theme. And space to slide in this massive green knife, which was just so imposing. That was cool, yeah. So cool. Yeah, so even if he loses his weapon, he's still got... A knife with his bag. Personal defense. Weapon. For sure, for sure. Fun facts about Hit and Run. He's got that red visor, which in my eyes always kind of harkened back to low light. So yeah. I imagine he's a, a bit of a night fighter as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because he had the same, same kind of tech. Yeah, because low light already established that, you know, red visors were sort of night vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit of suspension of disbelief there. I mean, the Night Viper had a far more accurate looking night monocle. Vision, yeah. But, you know, if you suspend your disbelief, and, and, and G.I. Joe was a lot about suspension of disbelief, to a point, mm. in my opinion, because beyond that point it just becomes ridiculous. But a nice, flush, very 80s set of red wraparounds, yeah, sure, they can make you see in the dark, of course. Totally, yeah. Another fun fact, Hit and Run had a belt loop down the front of the figure, which you could run a piece of cord through. Like, they did... Things like that with, as you say, Rock Viper, and even Countdown, in fact, had like a zipline device on his backpack. But um, none of them did did it with quite as much panache as good old Hit and Run. Yeah, I would say Hit and Run is probably the best of that feature. I mean, it trances even the Rock Viper in that regard. The thing about the backpack as well, sorry, I just got to keep gushing. You could separate the two halves. Okay, it takes away from the realism a little bit, but that's how it works, you know. And by separating the two halves... You essentially freed up a little bit of space to, I don't know, hold smaller accessories. Can't imagine what I actually managed to jam in there, but I'm pretty sure I could fit something. If they made hand grenades, maybe a few of those would fit. I probably put popcorn kernels in there that I painted green. Those are my makeshift hand grenades. Oh, all right. So I think that's all I have to say about Hit and Run's duffel bag. Over to you, Paulie. That's actually a really, really cool idea. The, the grenades in the bag and stuff. <laughs> actually, I never even thought of it. That's actually a really freaking cool idea. You're a smart kid. 
<laughs> yeah, well, at least they were throwaway. I mean, you wouldn't cry any tears over a few lost popcorn kernels. Yeah, I know, that's true. They were the Actually, right scale, but they didn't quite look like grenades. But hey, who's scrutinizing? You just chuck the things at uh, the bad guys, you know? Wow. I'm, I'm wowing a lot because I just got a text. One of my uh, G.I. Joe suppliers managed to get pink saranas in, which I already got, by the way, but... Wouldn't hurt to have one carded, just because I can be like that sometimes. Because so, you're a hoarder. I am. A, I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> I just have a very minimal troop building ethic, and uh, two Serenos is better than one. It's kind of like what's better than one three thousand RPM per second Gatling gun. Four. <laughs> Lame jokes aside. <laughs> Um, my number one, okay, it's going to go against something I mentioned earlier about spring-loaded weapons, and, um, it does stand as one of my favorite Joes, and being a fan of Cobra... You, you can ignore the spring-firing weapon, you can just talk about the accessories that you like. Really. Uh, I can, example. I can, but this is actually one of the exceptions, which is kind of cool, and this is one big plus to Hasbro, so just so you guys know, I am very happy with this feature. But the figure in question is the Snow Serpent, which incidentally also has red visor. I always thought this was really cool. I think it's a snowboard. It's a serpent snowboard with rockets. <laughs> How cool is that? I mean, you get and to... And it's purple. And it's purple. You get to blaze down a mountainside with a purple snowboard that is rocket-fired. I mean, these guys have had to have balls of steel. Seriously. On top of that, you got a backpack that could hold said snowboard and doesn't make getting through doors any easier. But it was cool that it connected. And that's one thing that was quite big on this list for me is the accessories have to connect to each other or connect to the figure. And that was one of my deciding points. Plus, I love those rubber hoses. And he came with two and they both connected to each one of his weapons. And apparently, it circulates heat through the weapon so that the ammo doesn't freeze up or... I'm not entirely sure how that's supposed to work, you know, without, you know, exploding the ammo. But that was really, really cool. I, I love the fact that he had these pipes, you know, connected to his two guns. I had the rifle in the one hand, the handgun in the other. He would, like, blaze down mountain peaks that I'd make out of, like, my, my, my duvets and pillows and stuff. And he would just be this really badass serpent. Now, I only ever had one, so he was the de facto snow serpent. He was the dude. And, yeah, his launching weapon actually connected to the snowboard. Which was a bit odd. Yeah. Um, there's been a rich tradition of uh, Joe figures doing that. I mean, didn't the first snow job... Mm. Or was it... No, it was Blizzard. It was Blizzard that has that job. If you can connect snow jobs skis to his backpack, and the ski poles connect to the backpack as well, you could put them ski facing down and just... No, no, you could. Push the whole contraption down a hill sans snow job. But... And he could load it with bombs and stuff. But, I mean, we're talking about a frickin' snowboard with frickin' boosters. I mean, this blew my mind as a kid, and I still think it's pretty cool now, because I've been looking at some carded samples on eBay, and I have got to get this figure again. I don't think it's a figure that should be retooled as a 25th. I think it's kooky enough to remain as a classic Joe line, a real American hero line figure. It actually should stay there, unlike the Night Viper, hint, hint, Hasbro. And we mean Night Viper, not Jungle Viper. Even though I love the Jungle Viper, don't get me wrong. But uh, I am alone there. And apparently it's a peg warmer. I can't believe that. I know you can. But I can't believe it's a peg warmer. I own two, and I've set it up on top of a fort. And most people think it's like a really cute palm tree on top of the fort. And they don't actually realize there's a sniper hiding under that. It's got that, like, Gundam kind of shroud, which just... 
Yeah, and it's and, kind of I don't know if it's a reference to anime. I think they might have stolen an idea from the latest or one of the more recent Gundam series called Gundam. I keep wanting to call it. Yeah, it's Gundam Double O. For the life of me, I cannot remember the designation, but there is a mobile suit that has a green armor system, which actually creates a shield in front of him, and he's a sniper, incidentally. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Hasbro toy creators out there are big Gundam fans and and borrowed some of that mecha, uh, mecha idea. I've seen some of it in the his tank as well. And I've seen that mech design ethic come through in some of the other Joes. I can appreciate a mech operating in outer space with something like, like that, that yeah. where gravity is not a massive consideration. But you put a weapon of that magnitude in the hands of a soldier and expect him to be able to move through the jungle. Yeah, I don't that, know, there are some practicalities to the jungle viper that elude me. That um, I, I have to agree with that. Okay, In terms of his gun, the actual firearm with the little treads, I do think that is stupid. Uh, I'm I'm not going to even defend it. I've got it on my figure now. <laughs> well, if it had treads, it would be Neon Genesis. Oh, no, it doesn't have those. Yeah, it's, it's like got skits. those skits. Yeah. Um, no, it, like, I'm not really going to defend that either because although when I first, on first blush, I thought it was really cool. But after much thought and consideration, I am also trolling eBay now for loose POC Recondo sniper rifles, which I think would look much cooler with the Jungle Viper. They just seem to fit the aesthetic. The sort of palm tree thermal camouflage system that it comes with, uh, I imagine is some kind of you know, optical system that um, either reflects the terrain around it or can generate a false image. And only really experienced trackers, guys like Spirit and whatnot, will be able to pick up on it. So I do think it's very effective first regular military. Interesting. We managed to flip from a discussion about our favorite Jojo <laughs> or Cobra accessories to a discussion about our least favorite ones. Well, but we Steven do love these toys. <laughs> I promise you, we do. We really, really do. Just in the same breath, I know a lot of guys out there don't like Duke's double cannon setup that's come on the one POC Duke. Got that big double cannon setup that goes over your shoulders. Don't let that put you off that Duke figure. I just want to get that out there. I I know I'm a big, I'm not the biggest Duke fan, but that is my number one. Well, no, my number two. Yeah, it's my number one favorite Duke figure, and that's come out ever. You sure his name's Duke? I heard you referring to him as Corporal Hicks just now. Yeah, yeah, he is kind of Corporal Hicks-ish. <laughs> um, what tipped you off? The pulse rifle. Oh wow, it's between the pulse rifle and the, the body armor, I mean, and... There's definitely a nod to the Colonial Marines. If you guys have no idea what we're talking about, check out James Cameron's uh, uh, Aliens. Yeah. yeah, that's for the five of you that clearly haven't, because damn. <laughs> or the five of you that are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Uh, um, support our podcast! Yes, we're not sure how yet, but we want you to do it. I would imagine subscribe. Subscribe would be the way to go. Some honorable mentions quickly, just before we have to go. Some characters that I wanted to mention or some accessories that I wanted to mention. We did mention Blizzard. He's got cool stuff. Also, I think one of the reasons I like snow gear is because we don't get snow in South Africa. Oh, I wanted to say something about the Snow Serpent version 2 snowboard. Like, the reason why snowboards are less practical from a military standpoint is because they can't traverse flat terrain. That's true. Strap a pair of rockets onto your snowboard, well, that solves that problem. Except for you remove the stealthy approach. <laughs> What's that? I don't know, Blizzard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't have it all. I mean, stealth kind of goes out the window when you have 
vehicles like Trouble Bubbles and Skywars. <laughs> she was one of the honorable mentions as well is the Laser Viper. As a kid, the Laser Viper was cool because he had the backpack and it had the grips and it had two laser guns that went over shoulders. Plus, one of the coolest looking helmets in the line as well. Very creepy looking Viper for me. I think as a kid, it kind of freaked me out a little, but it means shit when nothing's on him anymore. He's kind of a bland looking figure. So the accessories really do make the Viper. The only thing is, having reread the file card not too long ago, I actually realized that those lasers aren't actually offensive weapons. They are for targeting. They are targeting lasers. They're to laser targets for bombers. So to help a mumba find something to blow up at night. And that's what they were for. And that well, we can, we, can, be... we can dismiss that as an inconsistency. Yeah. I mean, G.I. Joe was using laser weapons... Uh, as early as their debut in 1982. Flash was a laser trooper. That's true. The the HAL was a laser artillery weapon. And then um, the XML, which is no jobs weapons, no jobs laser rifle. Sure, there's a rich history the of XML. lasers, man, that, that had offensive capabilities in addition to being able to paint targets. And the reason he didn't make my list is the modern me having read the laser targets and not being able to get past that just took him off. Yes, I know, I know. Oh, you know. for shame, Paul. Oh, for, for shame. shame. And I think Steve's going to agree with me here because the figure is not so cool, but the accessories really blow your mind. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have been waiting for us to say this. Bullhorn. Bullhorn had some really awesome stuff. That briefcase that opens up and you can assemble the little rifle. Amazing. A really, really amazing feat for a figurine of that scale. And his gas mask was actually pretty good, the way it went on quite flush. It suited the character, it was really great. And his megaphone, which to this date I'm still not sure is a megaphone or a gun disguised as a megaphone. Uh, it was a megaphone. It's it a kind megaphone. of fit in with his speciality. He was a negotiator type character. So the sniper rifle works, the gas mask works, and having a megaphone obviously works. You're able to talk someone down. But that sniper rifle was a bit uh, ruined for me because anybody I knew as a child who had that accessory lost some or other part of it. Exactly, and that's why it's uh, an honorable mention as opposed to being on any of the top five lists. As an adult collector, it might have swung me, except for the fact that there's no way to make an original, a real American hero O-ring style figure hold it properly. It's That's kind the of like problem. it's like the Night Viper gun. It's yeah, beautiful, it's so but cool, it but doesn't have so a conventional cool. handle. Another one as well, and you've heard me mention it, so I'm not going to go into it at length. But Undertow's gear was very cool, and I think my favorite part of that gear was actually his mask. Which, out of all of the original Joe figures, I actually think it's the thinnest. I just thought it had the most snug fit. It was really amazing, and the only helmet that sort of gets me like that one is the Alley Viper's helmet, and it's not even a removable helmet; it's just a visor. Just that also looked pretty snug you know, at the time. Just on the top topic of uh, removable helmets that always added a lot of value to buying a joke yeah i didn't really dig characters who had masks molded to their heads i think one of the reasons behind that was the fact that i had some knowledge of mobile assault strike command <laughs> and while i didn't have any vehicles that could well normal looking vehicles that could conceivably sprout wings and take to the skies or helicopters that could become jets or uh, I don't know the plethora of, of cool convertible vehicles that Mask had I did have Joe figures that had removable helmets that looked like they could project flame or illusions or make a figure 
be able to pass through walls. You know, like, it, it fired my imagination to be able to put a helmet on a figure's head and all of a sudden he gained some sort of special ability. Except for Metalhead. No, but I'm not talking about just, like, a Fritz-style army helmet. I'm talking about the more science fiction no, of course. helmet. Decimator's helmet was a, a dead ringer for, like, Cyclops. I mean, yeah. Or the second version of Lowlights in, in the same vein. The second release sci-fi of sci-fi as well. great. Um, Countdown... Charbroil had a fantastic helmet. These two scary red eyes, which were just... Oh, that was badass. Creepy for a Joe. Totally. But then again, he's a flamethrower specialist. And that's and a, a laser pretty, piper again. pretty creepy specialty. Your specialty is to incinerate people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, burn, baby. Also, a uh, really cool, a notable, or really, really awesome helmet is uh, Hawks. I love the Hawks helmet with goldfish astronaut ball. goldfish ball helmet, but it looked really good. It worked really well. Fits really great on the upper body sculpt. Thought it was great. Another one as well, Countdown. He had a great helmet. He was fantastic. He I should... love the asymmetry of it. There was yes. something very groovy about... Oh, and, and in, in the same way, uh, clean sweep. <laughs> yes. I find, you know, some salvation for the eco-warriors because clean sweep looked like something that would make for a good mass crusader working overtime, fighting, fighting crime, crime, fighting, fighting crime. crime. Secret raiders who will neutralize, so to say, you're right, the gonna leave a mission, it's fair. 